When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Mourinho, the manager, Terry at the back, Torres up front and Mark Schwarzer in goal. That was Chelsea's side seven years ago when they last reached the Champions League quarter-final. They lost to Atletico Madrid on that occasion. This time they beat them over two legs to progress to the last eight for the first time since 2014. Nowadays it's Tuchel, Timo and Tony are rock-solid Chelsea right on course for a second Champions League crown. There's a distinctly European feel about today's Football Social Daily. We'll pick apart last night's game at the bridge as well as focusing on our Premier League sides in action in the Europa League tonight. Arsenal and Tottenham in pole position to progress to the next stage but it's by no means as certain for Manchester United as they look to tame Zlatan and co at the San Siro with their tie against AC Milan finally poised at one apiece. I'm Niall McCorn and this is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new episode every day of the top flight season. Perhaps not quite as finely poised as Milan versus Manchester United tonight, but certainly on hand to give their thoughts on the podcast today. We've got our Scottish supremo, John Paul Hughes. Hello to you, JP. How are you doing, mate? Very, very well, thanks. And it's a warm welcome to, to Keith Lawrence from the Blue Day Chelsea podcast, making his Football Social Daily debut on a midweek European night. There's always some sort of glamour involved with you Chelsea lot, isn't there? <laughs> welcome along, Keith. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. No worries. I'm sure you're feeling on top of the world after last night's performance i'm feeling good at the moment yes i i i'm I'm safe to say i am feeling very good at the moment (laughs) i'm not surprised i'm glad they didn't lose last night it would have been a totally different feel to the show but still positive chelsea news to come in today's show if this is your first time listening to the podcast then welcome along thanks for joining us new shows from us covering all things premier league every day of the season so you can always hit that subscribe button and that way you won't miss a beat if you have listened before great to have you back again as always and if you are a regular listener to football social daily you'll know that we are part of the uk's only dedicated sports podcast network the sports Social Podcast Network contains a whole host of shows from Speedway to Snooker, Manchester United, Masterclasses to the MLS. So if you head over to the website sport-social.co.uk, you can find so many great podcasts to check out there, including the Blue Day Chelsea podcast, which is where you'll find Keith. So tell us a little bit about the show, Keith, for any Chelsea fans out there that may want to check it out. Yeah, no worries. It's a Chelsea fans podcast that um, originally started off with myself and a fellow Chelsea supporter uh, back in September. We were pre-previewing, reviewing uh, Chelsea matches and just talking about 
everything to do with Chelsea, you know, in the news and we was going through archive footage of matches. Um, and then as the season's progressed, I've looked to, you know, improve the podcast a little bit and try and make it a little bit bigger. And thankfully, I've got, I've now got two ex-Chelsea players and, you know, they are definitely Chelsea royalty, as to be said, in Ron Chopper-Harris and Gary Chivers as uh co-hosts for the podcast and we've been sort of going for about two two shows now since the since the new revamp and yeah we've had a lot of fun on it you know we've we've discussed about you know Chelsea in the 70s and 80s and it is it's been really good yeah absolutely you're right I think what that must be close to a thousand games between those two players um yes (laughs) chopper uh, um, as well I think with 600 700 games under his belt so some great guests like Keith says you can find the Blue Day Chelsea podcast as well as lots of other top shows in our stable there's something for Spurs fans Arsenal fans Liverpool fans Wolves fans Brighton fans even whole city fans you get the picture all available wherever you get your podcasts as well as on the website sport-social.co.uk if you produced or host your own sports podcast and you want to get involved with the network which by the way has zero hosting fees for your show then the place to go is also that website sport-social.co.uk get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you and welcome you on board the podcast network i'm sure keith and the guys on the blue day will have had plenty to say about thomas tuckle over the past couple of months what a start at stanford bridge the germans had in fact the best ever start for a new chelsea manager since he's touched down in west london unbeaten in 13 games back in the Premier League's top four and now through to the Champions League quarterfinals for the first time in seven years, all whilst being watertight at the back. Tuchel called last night's game against Atletico Madrid an unbelievable team effort. Chelsea won the game 2-0 at the bridge thanks to goals from Hakim Ziyech and Emerson. It means they beat the La Liga leaders 3-0 on aggregate to progress. Keith, you must be buzzing as we've already said. There were plenty of Chelsea fans really disappointed with how the club treated the previous boss, Frank Lampard, obviously a club legend, the greatest goal scorer for Chelsea of all time. Um, some were saying that maybe he wasn't treated fairly and they were kind of a bit disgruntled with how things transpired. But even you couldn't have foreseen how great an impact Thomas Tuchel's had since he's come into the club. Absolutely not. Um, there was no way I, I envisaged having 13 games unbeaten as you say and just with the performances that have been constant and the results and even the clean sheets it's just been so consistent and everybody's now putting in a shift there is no way any Chelsea fan in the world would have predicted that when Lampard got sacked. Do you think there's more confidence in terms of Chelsea in the Champions League at the moment under Tuchel than there was under Lampard? It felt like it maybe was a little bit flaky under Lampard in terms of, oh, you know, we don't really fancy ourselves. But now with the way that Tuchel's come in and really, you know, tightened things up and it feels like you've certainly grown in confidence as a fan base that you can actually do some damage in the Champions League this season. Well, I personally believe that experience plays a factor in this. And it wasn't that long ago that Thomas Tuchel led aside to the Champions League final. Mm. So I think that says a lot in regards to what Tuchel can bring to the table, especially on a European stage. And he's, again, he's, he certainly has put more belief in the squad. I believe that everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet. And you can just tell by you know everyone's performance I mean even Hakim Ziyech which I know we might talk about in a minute you know he's been very underwhelming this season but last night he played exceptionally well and even the pictures and the videos that have 
been out on social media, I think it's even trended that Thiago Silva's injured and he's <laughs> celebrating like he's a Chelsea supporter with Mason Mount and Jorginho. I mean, that for me, that is one of the highlights of the season. That actual be image. careful on those steps at the bridge, though, Keith. You don't want him slipping down. They are steep. Yes, I'll <laughs> believe you me. They are steep. Yes. Um, let's talk about Hakim Ziyech then, JP. I thought it was his best performance in a Chelsea shirt last night. And I'll admit, I haven't watched every Chelsea game this season. But he scored such an important goal. Calm in front of the net when Chelsea really needed it. I think Keith touched upon it there. He's been underwhelming in, in general. But that's what you want from your signings. I mean, if they can kind of turn up in the big moments, that's what you pay the money for. You do, and, and I think that's, that's probably a fair assessment. But, you know, I think it's the X form probably mirrors Chelsea's a little bit, you know. Um, underwhelming, um, inconsistent at times, and then all of a sudden now uh, they seem to have hit their stride. Um, I thought he played really well. Um, he took, I mean, as well as if he took the goal, the goal was at the, that, that first goal was absolutely sensational. It was a, a, a beautiful move, brilliant done. Yeah. I actually burst out laughing out loud at the at the, at the change of pace that <laughs> the um, that Chelsea showed in, in, in breaking from uh, from the back so, so quickly, uh, especially Timo Werner when he just when he put the burners on. Man, I just started laughing. It was like watching a cartoon at one point, the way he just ran past other players. Um, but yeah, no question, Zayek has put in his best performance in a Chelsea shirt last night. Um, and, and it sort of mirrors and echoes what's going on throughout the team. So um, I'm not surprised Keith is, uh, is so happy this morning. I mean, I think we've discussed on the show before, haven't we, about the impact that Chelsea signings have and haven't made. I think it's probably chill well in terms of the ones they've paid for. And Silver in terms of the free transfer who have made the biggest impact in Chelsea colours since the summer when they were signed. We've spoken, JP, about, you know, changing culture, a change in style, but during the middle of a pandemic, it's difficult for young men to come over from a, a culture that, that they're used to, to one that they're not used to in the Premier League in the middle of a pandemic. So um, I think it's fair enough to expect things to take a little bit longer to fall into place for some of the new signings. Absolutely, man. And and, and you're also coming to, uh, as, as well as all the cultural um, and psychological shift you need to make. You're coming to a different style of football, and uh, mm. and you're all in a league that, that that plays differently, that plays at a, a, an incredibly high pace and intensity every single week, um, in a season that has you know it's well documented. But we've spoke about it ad nauseum at times here. The, uh, the the way the football's been drawn out and, and and the compacting of games and the way it's all gone on is is having a massive uh, physical impact on players. So listen, if 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 uh, if my club had signed him and it took him a little bit of time to find his feet, uh, but this is a sign of things to come, I would be I would be very hopeful for, for where it's going to go. And, and the same applies to Chelsea. Um, I think that mm. uh, you know, Big Tam Tuchel, as, as I call him up here in Scotland, he's <laughs> uh, he really you know they, they seem to have found this this level of grit is probably the word that I would use that I find really interesting um, because. Mm. Uh, I think you know my cousins and I have got a, a, a kind of a WhatsApp group that we chat about football quite a lot, and and, and we tend to refer to Atletico Madrid as bad FC, um, <laughs> because uh, I know it was mentioned last night how they they deployed the dark arts, and but when you can, uh, as I witnessed last night, Chelsea kind of out bad bad FC, and that's quite an accomplishment. And when King Luis Suarez is taken off. Uh, what was it an hour gone or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Um, that to me just what a signal that was for Chelsea when when I saw that happen. I just mm. thought there you go, their main man, their talisman, the one person that if you were going away from home and you had to resort to the dark arts as they say to try and get you back into a, a knockout tie uh, to go through to the next round, you you would struggle to 
pick anybody else you would want to go in there winding up the opposition and Luis Suarez and to see him go off with his tail between his legs after an hour Chelsea would that was it game set match at that point yeah I thought Rudiger shackled him really really well and indeed the whole Chelsea back line because Suarez has this tendency to kind of drop off into that kind of half space and even pick passes um, I think we'll come on to it in a sec when we discuss whether Atletico should have had a penalty but the way you kind of drop back from that centre forward role to, to find the pocket of space and play the ball in for Carrasco that's what he's so t- dangerous at doing but it felt like Tuchel and Chelsea's defence knew exactly what they were going to get um, from Suarez and they dealt with him really well. Talking of uh, Thomas Tuchel though, JP, I think he could do with a Tamashanta to be honest with that receiving hairline <laughs> that he's got like, to cover it up. But, uh, he's, he's, fight, he's fighting that hard, doesn't he? he he's is, fighting he that is. hard. He's, he's just fighting got to accept defeat. What I thought was an interesting question actually, Keith, is obviously Chelsea needed to get into the top four, which is why they pulled the trigger on Frank Lampard. But when you rewind a long time ago now, 15 years to when Jose Mourinho was first in charge at Stamford Bridge, the falling out between Mourinho and Abramovich was that Abramovich wasn't happy with this you know, style of play that Mourinho had where Chelsea would often win games 1 or 2 nil or 2-1 and it wasn't like they were blowing anyone off the park. We're seeing a lot of that at the moment with Thomas Tuchel. I'm not saying that there's going to be a falling out between him and Abramovich because ultimately his decision to get rid of Lampard looks like the right one at this moment in time. But yeah. I do wonder a little bit further down the line whether, you know, if we don't start seeing Chelsea win by more goals, I, I mean, kind of take this game with Atletico outside of that because you can't expect to blow away a team as good as them by three or four goals. Um, do you think that there are any concerns of that down the line possibly? Well, at the moment, Chelsea are becoming... a a well-oiled machine, especially at the back. Um, being a Chelsea fan, I've seen many managers come and go, many of whom I thought was fantastic for the club, like Jose Mourinho. Um, one common theme that's come out of this is that it's bound to go wrong somewhere. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> It happened with Mourinho, it's happened with Ancelotti, Conte, and even Frank this season. It's bound to go wrong at some point. But with... The way Chelsea are performing, yes, we're winning games 1-0, 2-0. I think at this stage of the season, the the results are more important than the performances. Now, sure. if we're looking at next season and Chelsea, for example, buy Haaland and they you know spend another 150 million, 200 million on players. If we're still getting the same performances, then yes, I think, Roman might be a little bit wary, a little bit annoyed, and questions will be asked. But I don't know what else Tuchel can do at this at this stage. You know, yes, the perform you know the the performances are fantastic. You know, we're as a team, the performances are, are fantastic, and we're we're playing so much better than what we was. I mean, I remember Frank Lampard's last Premier League game was against a Fulham. And the performance, I thought, wasn't it, it wasn't poor, but people were saying it was one of the worst performances in Chelsea colours for years and years and years. And alas, you know, Lampard left. But the it's it's the same players in it's the same players that were on that pitch in against Fulham produced something like that last night. So I think sort of to sum up what you were saying, Tuchel's got it good at the moment. If it means that he wins a trophy at the end of this season, even better. But yes, he he does have to improve on that with regards to the final product because you know you can't be winning league titles, you know, winning one nil, two nils every single week. There's got to be a point where 
with the attackers that we've got, like Pulisic, who hasn't performed. Hudson Adoy, who I still think still finding his feet. Hakim Ziyech, who performed well, but then he might disappear for another month or so. There has to be a level of consistency. Frank, Frank didn't get that, which was unfortunate for him. And hopefully now that Thomas and he, you know, listen, Thomas has laid down the law with these players. You know, he took Hudson Odoi off after what twenty minutes, yeah. twenty mm. to twenty-five minutes against Southampton. So he's he he's not afraid to tell these players that I'm in charge. You'll do as I say. If you don't like it, you know where the door is. So yeah, we'll see where it goes. But and I said this on my podcast, and I said this sort of to people as well. Two calls in charge, but I still see him as the caretaker because Chelsea do not have long-term coaches at the club. They are just no. there as short-term. They are there to hold the keys to the door. Yeah, and I think it's a good point because I guess that was kind of what I was hinting at, that you know Abramovich is spending hundreds of millions of pounds on players. I mean, you look at Kepa, for example, you spend £75 million and you get someone who doesn't really work out. Um, it doesn't matter how rich you are. If you're spending that much money on something and, and it doesn't work out, it kind of makes you look a little bit foolish as the owner. So I think that maybe that, that's part of it, and I think it's a really good point you make. Although you're absolutely spot on with this season and the ultimate aim this season was to steady the ship, get back in the top four. And as you say, they look far more in control of games under Tuchel did Chelsea. Absolutely solid defensively. They don't blow you off the park, like I said, but they are methodical. The tactics work. Still only two goals conceded in those 13 games under Thomas Tuchel since he came in. One of those was a penalty. It's remarkable defensively, the record that they've got. Talking of penalties, JP... Should Atletico Madrid have had a penalty with Cesar Aspilicueta pulling back Yannick Carrasco as he went through on goal? Tuchel said he didn't see it after the game, but he was fearful that it might have been a penalty. What's your take? Well, you know for a fact that he's Aspilicueta panics. Um, he realises he's left the ball short. He grabs him in that panic. Is that enough to send him down? No, of course it's not. Um, but uh, nor was the, nor was the incident. I'm sure we'll come to later on uh, with the elbow. Um, yeah. But but uh, when you know you have to ask again, and I know I'm sorry to just keep going back. But what is the point of VAR if you're not going to use it to check things like that? Um, so is it a penalty? Under the, under the rules or the laws of the game, yeah, it is. Is it enough to make him go down? No, it's not. Um, but again, it brings you back to that old thing. Mm. Uh, he's grabbed him, he's impeded him, he's panicked. And if the player doesn't go down, you know for a fact he's not getting the penalty. So yeah. you, again, you start to understand why players will. Well, we saw that with uh, Phil over. Foden in the Man City game just a couple of weeks we ago, did. where he stayed on his feet and he, his leg got crunched by McCarthy, I think it was in the Southampton game, and uh, no decision was made. And that was an outrageous time. I mean, I got a shudder. I, I, the, 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 he nearly broke the boy's ankle. Um, uh, yeah. the, the way we went into that challenge and, and Foden managed to stay up. So you, you get why players do it. Uh, it's there, but a, a bit of a crazy decision. But do you know what? Um... It would have... (laughs) Every week, right? Every single week, I forget that Hoddle and McManaman are on BT Sport Champions League, right? And every time I hear their voices, my heart sinks, right? Because uh, the the, the crap they two talk sometimes, man, just drives me insane. And and, and there was... was, I think there was... It was McManaman that was talking about it at one point. And he said, you know, if if it goes for Atletico and Atletico score, it will change the momentum of the game. Well, it might even be a red card as well, you know. Aye, but, yeah, but, but, back. Exactly. And, but what he also said was, I mean, that goes without saying, but he just said it. 
So, <laughs> so I was I was becoming more uh, obsessed with the, the, the rubbish that Hoddle went man. We were talking about there was actually happening in the game at one point. Um, but <laughs> but bringing it back to, to actual football, you're right. It, it is a massive moment in the game. Overall, Chelsea thoroughly deserved their win. Absolutely mm. snuffed Atletico out in every area of the pitch. Probably, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Probably the best Chelsea performance I've seen. Um, and and a bit like you, I, I don't see them every week, so I, I don't know how high and low that's gone, but I, I was really impressed by them. So they thoroughly deserved the win, but mm. no question, that was a massive decision that probably should have gone against them, but didn't. Yeah, I mean, actually, interesting, you mentioned about the commentary. If you buy yourself a 5.1 or 7.1 surround sound system, JP, if you turn off the middle channel of your speakers, you uh, actually don't get the commentary. So if you do hate McManaman and Hoddle that much, (laughs) invest a couple of hundred quid in a nice surround sound system and that'll sort you out midweek. If you hear any, if you hear any typing as as uh, Keith's given his next uh, next uh, observations, you know exactly what I'm buying. <laughs> um, well, there wasn't a red card for Aspilicueta, there wasn't a penalty for Atletico, but there was a red card um, in the end for an elbow on Tony Rudiger. I mean, as we've previously mentioned, it's probably not enough for the big German to go down, but you have to say, Keith, you can't do that. The referee spotted it in a crowd of players and it feels like the right decision was made on that occasion. Well, I mean, you mentioned it before about the dark arts. I thought that Antonio Rudiger played him like a fiddle, um, to be perfectly honest. I mean, <laughs> the referee spoke to them before the corner was taken and said, I am watching you. Do not do anything. Five seconds later, the Atletico Madrid defender did what he did. I mean, it wasn't an elbow that would put someone of Antonio Rudiger's stature down like that. Absolutely not. But you can't do that. You know, there are so, you know, at the moment, there's more cameras than supporters at at the ground now. So any minute thing you do is going to be caught. And VAR caught it. I thought at at this stage, with the way VAR is run, and I'm, you know, I agree with your point about Atletico's penalty. You know, VAR is used well at times, and then at other times, you know, referees don't use it. But I thought it was used correctly. It was a red card, in my opinion. But Antonio Rudiger, as I said, played him like a fiddle, and I think that sort of just summed up Atletico's performances over the two legs. He did. I think. I think you're right, Keith. You know, I mentioned it earlier on. He out Suarez. Suarez. You know. Um, yes. He was. He was all over the top of him. And I mean, I don't know if you saw his pre-match interview as well. When they asked him about it, he went, "Oh, he's a pain in the ass." I loved that. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and as soon as he said it, I went, "Ah, oh, I actually get quite excited because I went, there's a man that's ready for war the minute yeah. this whistle blows.' Yeah. And uh, and you knew just that little pre-match interview gave you a little insight into the mentality of Rudiger going into the game. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. He mm. bossed Suarez all over over the pitch then he gets up into their end and he out Suarez he Suarez and their penalty box um, and then even when he's walking back when he, the guy's been sent off and they're in his face and all that, he was just laughing at them and I thought I, I loved it man I thought it was absolutely brilliant I love to see my team do things like that and get right in amongst the opposition and give them a bit of their own medicine because Atletico are famous for it but I thought last night they were nothing but childish and petulant from start to finish and, yeah. uh, and, and Chelsea gave them what they deserved 
I certainly think Tony Rudiger is understated in terms of his importance to the Chelsea dressing room. He's definitely a character. I think he's one of the funniest blokes in the squad by the sounds of some of the interviews <laughs> that you hear coming out of Stamford Bridge. So he's certainly someone who kind of glues the team together. It's been unfortunate for him because I think he's probably been one of Chelsea's better centre-halves in the last few seasons. But there's been injury and then he was kind of left on the sidelines a little bit as well uh, by previous incumbents for the Chelsea job. So uh, good to see him back and good to see him performing well. Right then, Keith, um, Thiago Silva was dancing in the stands. Not sure about the hat, though, with the initials on it. Um, He was obviously delighted to get through. He could be coming back into the fold soon as well as he recovers from injury. I mean, when we do see him back, it could be a great boost again for Chelsea defensively. Who do you want in the next round of the Champions League? Through to the quarterfinals, first time since 2014. Anyone that you fancy in the next stages of the competition? Well, I don't want Man City to start (laughs) off with. Um, There are are three teams I have sort of... uh, noted down uh fc porto would probably be the most likely ones although i'm not gonna you know disparage what they did against juventus because i saw both i saw both games of that that they were absolutely superb and deserved to knock out Mm. juventus one um real madrid because i think that they are not the real madrid of old i think they are going through a bit of a transitional season as well as Mm. and I think they are there for the taking, personally. It makes a statement if you beat them as well, Keith, doesn't it? Uh, yes, and I just think, uh, you know, at this stage of the competition, I, I don't think it should matter who you're facing, you know, but True. the last one, Liverpool. Can you imagine that? Chelsea against Liverpool. Be like Champions League games of old <laughs> from years gone by. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I mentioned them and pure, purely because, again, I see them as Real Madrid in regards to they're not, they're not the side they once were. I think it's the perfect time to play them because they seem to be a little bit lost at the moment. And, you know, again, as you say, if you're going to face them in the latter stages anyway, mm. you might as well see if you can beat them. And again, you know, with the quarterfinals coming up quite soon, we're on such good form at the moment. They're going to have to do so much to beat us because we are on form. Whereas I think if the shoe was on the other foot and we were playing them in the latter stages, things might be different. So I think at this stage, we're doing well. Let's go out and beat Real Madrid. Let's go out and beat you know, mm. FC Porto or even even PSG. I mean, PSG are not doing that great at the moment in, in league in league earn at the moment. So you don't know. I mean, chances are we'll, we'll probably end up facing Real Madrid and then we'll probably get battered. But <laughs> at least we tried. Love the confidence, Keith. Love the confidence. <laughs> I'm beating in 13. You can't be getting battered by Real Madrid. Surely not. Anyway, the draw well, is that's tomorrow. That's true. That's true. <laughs> of course, we'll bring you all the latest when it comes to Premier League sides in Champions League action on Football Social Daily right throughout the course of the week. Don't forget there are preview shows ahead of the weekend's action and, of course, review shows as well on Saturday and Sunday. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss those. The European theme continues next here on Football Social Daily, where we'll be talking about our Premier League sides in Europa League action. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates, and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. 
Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. New Premier League shows right throughout the season every single day of the week. No other show will do that for you. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss a single episode of the podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, including on our website, sport-social.co.uk. So head on over there. Time to talk Europa League action now. Three Premier League sides competing tonight in the last 16 second leg ties. Manchester United, Tottenham and Arsenal. We'll start with Manchester United who take on AC Milan at the San Siro 1-1 on aggregate close tie this one JP they missed chances in the reverse leg did Manchester United I'm thinking about um, a great chance for Harry Maguire where he shinned it onto the post from 0.5 yards out when he really should have scored Um, Cavani Pogba Van der Beek all looking like they're going to be back available again for Manchester United with that sort of return in firepower particularly Cavani who has a history of scoring goals in Italy and Paul Pogba who of course used to play for Juventus you'd probably back them to win against AC Milan tonight. Do you think they have enough to see off the Italian side and get through to the courses? I don't know if they do. I think this is, uh, putting aside uh, Zlatan, I think this is probably the most exciting young AC Milan team I've seen in some time. I got a really good look at them uh, because Celtic played them uh, early on in the in the season and we've come across them a couple of times in recent years and they they can be a wee bit hot and cold sometimes but we know that they're, they're having a good season in Italy um, and I'm not convinced United have what it takes to go through tonight I really I'm, despite the players that are coming back that big big names lots and lots of experience will play very very well for them um, but again, we know that United are hit and miss. The fact that it's away from home, we always talk about that uh, it suits United style better. So this is the one tie tonight. I'm I'm really uh, rubbing my hands with with anticipation about. I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be a bit tasty. Um, if you ask me to put money on who's going to go through, uh, I really don't know, man. Um, <laughs> but I, I I certainly would not be putting my uh, uh, a lot of money on United because I think Milan could 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 deal them a knockout blow here tonight. Yeah, certainly. They're second in Serie A at the moment, Keith, at AC Milan. I mean, it's a tough tie for Manchester United. We said that when the draw was made that, you know, probably of all the teams left in the Europa League, that was one of the most difficult sides that they could have been drawn against. But the old saying goes, we've discussed it with Chelsea just a moment ago, if you want to win the tournament, you're going to have to beat the best. However, the problem for Manchester United has been in recent uh, seasons under Solskjaer is that if they get through, there's question marks whether they'll even make a final. Um, There'll be talk about how he can't get United to a final, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, if he fails to win tonight. Multiple semi-final failures last season, including one in the Europa League. This is just the last 16, so I think Solskjaer probably needs to kind of alleviate some pressure and show that they can get through these big occasions, like JP was referring to. He needs a performance from the team. And... Against Milan at the San Siro, Milan are doing great at the moment by their sort of standards because the last few years Milan have been very mediocre. Now, Mm. you know, they look like they're on the rise again. So this this tie is very very juicy, and I'm I can't I can't wait for this game tonight. I'm I, I will be watching it, and the first goal's key. The first goal is absolutely key. If Man United get it, mm. then we, hopefully, you know, as a Chelsea fan, I, I would like to see Milan do do well against Man United. I don't know. I, I, I've I just got a sneaky feeling Man United might just edge it. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, especially with those players coming back, like Cavani and Pogba, it gives them a better chance, doesn't it? Yeah, Pogba's been a bit of a miss for them, I, I, I think, although Bruno Fernandes has just been absolutely superb for Manchester United. I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine about Man United and I said that Fernandes is probably one of the one of their best buys or one of their most significant buys in the last four to five years. Mm. He has been such a, a huge star for Manchester United. And if he does well tonight, then I, I can see United maybe scoring once, maybe even twice against Milan. At this stage, again, you know, you look at certain sides like Milan and they're doing so well in Serie A. Do they have that belief where are they going to pick one competition over the other? So yeah. do they see more? Uh, do they see themselves more winning the Europa League, or do they see themselves being champions of Italy again? And I just think that something's got to give tonight. And you know, Ch- you know, maybe Chelsea hat on. I'd like to see Man United lose, but analysing the first leg and seeing how United could set up and with certain mm. players returning, I've just got a sneaky feeling for United tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, those missed chances in the first leg, United will be hoping they don't come back to bite them on the ass because, you know, that happens so often in football of where course, yes. you just think you don't take your chances and then you go and get punished. Of course, there was no Zlatan Ibrahimovic JP in the first leg at Old Trafford, but he could play tonight against his former club. He missed the first leg, as I just said. He's approaching 40 years of age now. He's just been called up back into the Sweden national side. He's taken himself out of international retirement. He's close to signing a new AC Milan deal. He's still scoring goals. He's still got the fire in his belly. I guess Zlatan is obviously going to have a point to prove tonight against a former club, of which he's still on good terms with Manchester United. But kind of all of that aside, do you think we'll see more footballers in the near future pass the 40 mark and still be playing at the top level? Because it seems like in recent seasons we've started to see that a little bit more, mainly with goalkeepers, as we've Mm -hmm. seen with players like Buffon and I think David James played to 40. Ryan Giggs is a good example for Manchester United. Do you think we'll see more of that in the near future, JP? As a man well into his 40s, I fully endorse this line of conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I hope we do. Um, I, I think that the right club and the right position, I think the position that the player plays is uh, is vital to this for obvious reasons. Um, but I mentioned earlier how young the Milan team is and, and how they're developing and a, a, a presence like Ibrahimovic in that dressing room and on the pitch is invaluable for them. We know that he's a man who takes his physical conditioning very, very seriously and he's now reaping the rewards for that. But, you know, even think back to, you know, a a, a hero of mine, Henrik Larsson, who towards the tail end of his career, leaves Celtic, sets off, goes to Barcelona, then Manchester United and all the rest of it as he's pushing 40. We know there's other people out there who've been doing you know, incredible things, you know, Rocky Santa Cruz and Milan Baros and Claudio Pizarro. Um, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that most of them are strikers or, or, or what would be traditional centre-forwards. Um, I, I think on Match of the Day at the weekend, actually, I think there was a kind of... Kind of joking, uh, Shearer. Uh, I can't remember who else was on it. I think Lineker was talking about the fact that you know the old traditional number nine centre forward is a dying breed. They're disappearing, and they certainly are with the, the way that modern football is, and, and, and the way that positions will interchange. And there's much more free flowing uh, exchange of positions and ideas between systems and players, and it'd be much more adaptable. But I think when you have a young developing team with lots of potential. 
Um, and you have uh, a wise old head like that um, who has kept himself in great condition, then they, they really do bring a massive amount of value. I mean, even look at Giroud as he's starting, you know, as, as we've got Keith on here from Chelsea, as he's sit heading towards 40 years old, you see when he comes to the team, he brings something a bit different. So if you need that, if you need to be able to change things up, if you need to, to, to take a different approach to games sometimes, then I think this is something that's there. And I really do hope we start to see more of it because um, you don't always need... Uh, uh, you know, burning pace uh, to be the focal point of a team, which we can see quite often when teams have the, these these free flowing systems. Um, quite often, they, they they can look a little bit impotent at the top end of the pitch. So I, mm. I, I hope we do, and I think it'll only serve to, to to benefit the young players coming through when more of these guys in their forties keep playing. I think it's a really interesting debate to be had just in general because I think on the flip side of that, you're seeing people sort of in their early 30s before they even reach sort of mid-30s retiring from the game saying that they don't feel like they can keep pace. But in the end, that tends to be due to the position that they play, JP, whereas kind of at either ends of the pitch, at the back in, in goal and at the top end up front, that tends to be where you see the, the players get a little bit older and continue to play. So I think it's a really interesting debate to be had. But obviously with all the sports science and strength and conditioning and nutrition and stuff nowadays, I think we will see more players pass that 40 mark. I just have a little inkling Zlatan will have a big part to play tonight against his former club, Manchester United. AC Milan won, Manchester United won on aggregate. The game kicks off at the San Siro tonight in the last 16 of the Europa League at 8 o'clock. Two games for our North London sides as well in Europe. Arsenal are at home, Tottenham are away. We'll start with the game at the Emirates as Arsenal hold a 3-1 aggregate lead against Olympiacos. The game kicks off at 5.55pm this evening. With three away goals, Keith, Arsenal in absolute pole position. I mean, it would take a bit of a capitulation for them not to to go through they'd need to lose by three goals so you'd think they'll be able to get the job done tonight against uh, the Greek side yes I expect Arsenal to go through you know first leg I, I saw highlights of the game and they showed what they can do if the young players are given the time and given the confidence by the coach to produce and yeah, all right. I'm a Chelsea fan. I shouldn't praise other um, clubs' players, but I'm a big fan of that Smith Rowe player from Arsenal. Mm. I think he he could be he he could be the glue for Arsenal that for the next maybe five, even ten years. He's got something about him, that lad. And yeah, tonight I think Arsenal they should sort of still be a little bit cautious, you know, because again, if Arsenal are, are prone to conceding stupid goals and. Yeah. Sort of, Quite a lot of goals, actually. But, yeah, I I expect Arsenal to go through yeah. this tie. No, I, I think I'd agree with you. I can't see Olympiacos pulling out the stops. Although they did knock them out of Europe last year, did Olympiacos. So, there may be that niggling That's doubt true. in the back That's, of Arsenal's yeah. mind, perhaps. It seems that Arteta, JP, has got a better grip of cup competitions in charge of Arsenal than he does in the Premier League, obviously winning the FA Cup last season. They look set to go through the quarters here, Byron, a complete slip-up, like we just said. Do you think Arsenal's squad is just suited better to cup competitions and maybe they feel like they can perform better in those one-off occasions? You look at the North London derby, for example. They've beaten Spurs twice this season in the North London derby, yet they're still bang mid-table in the Premier League, ninth, tenth position. Do you think there are any particular reasons for that from a Mikel Arteta perspective? Well, we know that Arteta... Um 
He obviously made a, a contentious decision recently when he kind of started to question standards people were setting for themselves at mm. Arsenal. Um, Obama Yang, we, we know, is one that, that everybody drew attention to when he, he kind of dropped him for the, for the North London derby. But um, maybe that, rather than actually the, the squad being suited to cup competition uh, and Arteta's mindset being suited to cup competition... I think perhaps that is, is playing more into it. That that what he struggled to get is a consistent um, performance because uh, the mental attitude, the mental approach hasn't been 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 consistent from 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 his team and from his squad. Um, we know there's a bit of a, a you know. The, 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 I always, I, I still in my head, I, I think it's maybe just the, the, the Arsenal brand or the way you think about them. The, I, I, I still always envisage Arsenal as this young team, you know, um, who are, are, are fresh and, 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 and slightly maybe, I, I don't want to use the word naive, but raw at times in, in the way they approach things, but they're always exciting. They, they, they play football when they want to attack. Um, so I, I think rather maybe the squad uh, being uh, suited to cup competition, I think it's probably just indicative of the fact that they're not meant attuned every single game they go into which for the league and to become league champions as we know is what it's all about to, 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 uh, in league performances it's not about you know swashbuckling football every single week as you batter people five or six nothing even though Liverpool and City have tried to do that in <laughs> recent times uh, quite often when you win a title you know you're maybe only at your absolute best one third of the season, the rest of it is is about really competent performance and putting teams to bed and not dropping points you shouldn't. And I think probably it's the Arsenal mentality that lets them down, but uh, they seem to get away with it more in cup competitions mm. because it's easier to get yourself attuned for that one match. Yeah, definitely. I think the likes of Smith Rowe and Saka have been so important to Arsenal. And actually, I sometimes wonder how they would have got on without those players, such as mm. being their impact. And, you know, there are questions about Arsenal squad and whether it's getting a bit old. Aubameyang, of course, is the other side of 30, as is David Luiz. Willian as well on a three-year deal and into his 30s now as well. That raised a few eyebrows, certainly in the summer. It does feel like some surgery is still needed on that Arsenal side. But the experienced players do kind of supplement the younger ones. And we've seen that um, at Chelsea as well under Frank Lampard in the first season there. So there, there is evidence in recent seasons in the Premier League that that combination can work. But I still think there is some work to be done at Arsenal in terms of getting that squad tuned again, ready for the top four next season, if that is to be their aim. Anyway, Arsenal hold a 3-1 aggregate lead over Olympiacos. The second leg of that game tonight in the Europa League kicks off at the Emirates at 5-6 to six this evening. Dinamo Zagreb are Tottenham Hotspur's opponents. If we switch to the other side in North London, Tottenham are 2-0 up on aggregate as they travel to Croatia. They play against Dinamo in Stadion Makashmir. Tottenham just need an away goal, don't they? Normally, a Mourinho team, Keith, wouldn't feel fragile here with a two-goal lead uh, in Europe but there's still always that nagging doubt which I think is probably more a Tottenham thing than a Jose Mourinho thing even though they're 2-0 up on aggregate it still feels like they could possibly throw it away if things go belly up for them well I completely agree with you if this was any other side that Jose was was in charge of and they've got a 2-0 aggregate lead there would be no issue but the fact it is Tottenham and Spurs do have mm. history of being Spurs and you know <laughs> having the team score past them and they're not producing the goods, then yeah. But you know, I think that looking at how Jose has seen this season pan out, I I do believe he's looking at the Europa League more than the Premier League now. I I don't necessarily believe Spurs will get top four, um, and Jose 
is a winner. He he wins trophies. That's, that's what he does. And he probably sees this competition as the one that he can win to get Spurs back into the Champions League. And they've certainly got the players to outscore teams. But mm. I don't see them. I don't see them having the defense to shut out the real top teams. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. But you'd expect them to get the job done against Dinamo Zagreb. But I think you're spot on with that. There is this weird kind of aura around Tottenham when it comes to these sorts of games where you just wonder whether something might happen and they might end up throwing it away. I'm sure they'll be all right tonight, but they do need a bounce back. JP, after they lost to Arsenal at the weekend, um, you know, Arsenal doing the double over them doesn't happen um, too often, does it? In the Premier League, you see derby doubles being done. So, you know, a bit of a blow for them at the weekend and they'll feel they need to kind of pick themselves back up, dust themselves off and go again tonight against Dinamo Zagreb. Well, listen, if if Tottenham want any encouragement, um, all they have to do is contact me and ask me to write them off because every time I do that, they probably come back with the best performance they've had all season. They've done it. (laughs) And it always happens in Europe as well. On a Thursday after we've spoken about Uh, it on the podcast. Every every time I say they're crap, they've no desire, blah, 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 blah. They come back and slap me right down. So um, I hope that my check from Tottenham's in the post um, for getting them good results every time I write them off um, but I, I probably suspect that there'll be a, a much changed uh, Tottenham 11 tonight um, they should see this pretty comfortably but uh, it's, it's nice to see another manager um, taking the uh, taking the Hollywood headlines away for, for Josie as we see you know, Dinamo Zagreb uh, is it Mamic Zoran Mamic mm. um, has got a five year yes, prison sentence yes. for fraud <laughs> what the hell um, I thought incredible, by, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. So if you if you're going out to play, I mean, uh, in in my latter footballing days, um, I played uh, I played in some crazy amateur leagues, um, and uh, against some prison teams and all the rest of it, and guys who <laughs> probably should have been in prison for some of the ways they carried on in a football pitch. Um, I'm, I'm not joking. There was one example one time when we were playing in, in, in an outskirts of Glasgow in a place called Carmel, and uh, as we were playing on the pitch, uh, and by the way, this is about ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, a full uh, gang fight broke out uh, with people running out with clubs and maces and chains and everything <laughs> battling across the pitches we were trying to play this game then started attacking everybody's cars then two vans pulled up they all jumped in the back of the vans and drove away as if nothing had happened we were all standing like looking GTA. about <laughs> honest to god it was mental um, so I've certainly been around a few people who probably should have been in prison um, when they were playing football but to, to go in there tonight and, and see this has happened when I was reading that story Illinois, I just couldn't believe it man absolutely crazy stuff so um, if you can't if you can't go out and take care of a club in turmoil like that then uh, forget it so now that I've said that Tottenham will probably win about 8-0 I think uh, I think Luka Modric as well was charged with perjury at one point in um, relation to the case, but it's since been dropped. So really? definitely some definitely some interesting things going on over there at Dinamo Zagreb. Um, maybe that will rally them though, JP. Maybe that will rock them. You just don't know how a side's going to react because it's not like the manager's left because he's been sacked or the manager's resigned. It's he's had to resign because of something bizarre. So it's almost hard huh? to put your finger on what the reaction is going to be from a Zagreb point of view. Well, certainly, if, if I'm in that Dinamo Zagreb uh, dressing room, I'm, I'm using that as motivation tonight, you know, um, because uh, he, he was certainly unapologetic. You know, he was talking about he doesn't feel guilty and he's only resigned because he said he would <laughs> um, <laughs> if, he, if, if the, the, it was upheld. So he's certainly defiant about it. And, uh, you know, th- th- there is nothing more dangerous than a, than a cornered animal. And uh, mm. if I was in that Zagreb dressing room tonight, that's exactly the mentality I would be trying to be putting to my teammates mm. that uh, the world's against us. And, uh, 
let's uh, let's slap down uh, the, the 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 beloved English big boys uh, of UEFA and see if we can uh, see if we can progress and build some pride back into the club. So they've certainly got a motivated opponent tonight, that's for sure. Well, David Moyes managed West Ham earlier this season, didn't he, via Zoom because of coronavirus isolation and stuff like that. I mean, with the invention of technology and stuff, knowing that you can broadcast your team at <laughs> half time from Zoom, I just wonder whether he'll be doing it from his prison cell. Um, can you imagine that? A manager managing his side. From a cell somewhere hundreds of miles away. Why, um, why does this sound like an Adam Sandler film? <laughs> Nicholas Cage, anything involving prisons and a bit of jeopardy, Nicholas Cage is your man. Um, you've already touched upon it, Keith. Spurs probably will fancy themselves for the Europa League. At least Mourinho will. He's won it twice. And as you say, he's he's got the players up front to do damage. That front four of Bale, Son, Kane and Lucas Moura look really, really good. But at the back... It's probably where things are a little bit shaky. But in terms of Mourinho and his aspirations, you think the eggs might be in the Europa League basket and he's really ironed that one up this year rather than top four? I do. I generally believe that he has got the Europa League in his sights rather than the Premier League. I mean, I know Spurs Spurs aren't completely out of the top four by, by, by any stretch, but he wants to win trophies. Jose is judged by the trophies he, he wins. You know, and Spurs are... They are desperate. They are absolutely desperate to win something. Harry Kane needs to win something. Whether or not this is the trophy Spurs fans will want to win, I, I don't know. But yeah, that's that's this is definitely a, a competition I believe Jose wants to win, and you, you'll probably see that in the later stages, especially who again depending on who they get in the next round. It could be Rangers. It could be. Granada, if it's teams like that, I, I can't see Jose having a weakened side, for example. I can't see him dropping Kane or Bale for it if they've got, you know, Man United in the Premier League on that Sunday. I, I just can't see it. No, absolutely. Anyway, Dinamo Zagreb away is Tottenham's task tonight. They lead 2-0 on aggregate. Again, that kicks off at 5-6 to six this evening in the Europa League. And with that, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, JP. Thank you, Keith. Don't forget you can check out um, the Blue Day Chelsea podcast featuring Keith and, of course, some Chelsea legends, including Ron Chopper-Harris. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts and also sport-social.co.uk is the place to go. So, thanks very much for joining us. Don't forget we'll catch up with all of the European action tonight on tomorrow's podcast so hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss one as well as looking ahead to the Champions League draw and the England squad is announced as well for the latest internationals as well so we'll be covering all of that on tomorrow's show but that's it for today on Football Social Daily and we'll catch you again soon Football Social Daily from Sport Social Find us on Facebook Search Sport Social